This, 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 this is mythical. Welcome to Ear Biscuits, I'm Rhett. And I'm Link. This week at the round table of dim lighting, we're asking the question, how do you know if you should throw something away or keep it because it has some sort of sentimental value? And I may or may not, well let's just say I may, be breaking out something of sentimental value value <laughs> Vaya. value that I kept or at least my mother my mother kept I, uh, I would and I would say it may or may not let's say may may be an artifact from our friendship in first grade what first grade first met who are yeah. we kidding I know what it is but yeah we're going to break that out and but you know what else we're going to break out we don't even have to break it out because it has broken out. Look at this link. Oh my gosh. I'm here it, it is. The release of our novel, The Lost Causes of Bleak Creek, is upon us. October 29th is when it um, comes out. And if you pre order it or have pre ordered it, uh, you'll, be, you'll be the first to get it and read it and then share in the joy of us crafting this story. Now when we're recording. By experiencing this story. Now when we're recording this, uh, we actually just received the final version of the book in the mail. And it's something half we, we were very, very excited about was they, the publisher asked us, they were like, do you guys wanna do, cause there's like water on the cover, do you wanna do like the water and kind of a sheen gloss finish and then above the water and like a matte finish and we were like, do we ever? <laughs> yeah, it's 2019, baby. It's it's funny because that's <laughs> not what we said. I mean. That's what I thought. You, you, that's like you're, you're, you're in marketing no, Most, I thought and that. And I'm, I'm very glad. I thought that because I had seen it on another book and so as soon as, yeah, it, yeah. there was lots of questions like you and Stevie were like, well, well, I mean, what here, does that look like? This I mean, is the, this can we, is can the we get point. some samples? And I was like, I've seen it and it's gonna be awesome. Y'all can get your samples if you want, but that, check this, it out. This is my point, Rhett. My point is that bam, anything that we get excited about, we also like, at the same time, there's this like yin and yang of it that's like, well before we actually all get excited along with Red, well I wanna see samples. Can you send us a, you know, it's like, yeah. I'm sure we, everybody we work with, I mean we're we're very collaborative and we, when we get, we love to get great ideas from people, but it's like, but it's also like prove it. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, that's why they have things called proofs. I live a sample free lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> not, I, not I only at the food court. I well no, I only eat samples as an appetizer. You know what I'm saying? It's like you want a free sample? Yes, not so I can figure out if I'm going to eat it so I can eat more of it. Sometimes I bet where uh, people get frustrated working with us because we're like we can't just be excited about an idea. We have to be like but also but now let's we, have a proof of concept. But we are we are now it. excited about it. But we yeah, now we're fully excited. We got the endorsements on the back and uh, we've got pictures of us and on the inside. I'm just so excited when something hold, becomes real. Hold a piece of our hearts now, by the, buying this book and if you've already ordered one, order one for a friend if they, if they like to read books um, or if they've never read a book. Either way, they, they're gonna love this book. Uh, and on an upcoming episode. Bleakcreek.com. Will it be the next episode, Kiko? Which we're gonna we're actually gonna do more in depth explanation. Well, we're gonna explore the book by kind of talking through some passages, and you know we're gonna get more into the book as a whole podcast. But not only should you buy the book because we think it's a great story that you will enjoy, but you can also enter your proof of purchase at bleakcreek.com through November second um, to have a chance to win coming out to LA all expense paid trip with you and a guest to come and be a part of our Bleak Creek Barbecue Bonanza where we're gonna have a mm -hmm. North Carolina style pig picking which incidentally is featured in the first chapter of the book. We're gonna recreate that right here in Los Angeles. Um, driving in on my, my way this morning. Uh, Void where prohibited. I brought, I brought uh, purchase, Jade. No purchase necessary. Full details at the website. I brought Jade in to uh, to work with me, but the but the circumstances with which here send her over, Jenna. Jade, come here. I'm talking about you. Come here. Brought in my doggy. Brought in my doggy this morning. Oh, give me a little kiss, a little makeout sesh. Um, as you can see, she's she's just as uh, she's just as happy, or it's really hard to tell uh, as usual. 
She's docile, she's cool, she's calm, she's collected, but her mode of transport was different this morning. Mm. I, my, my hand was kind of forced, you know this story, but I just wanted to uh, bring you guys up to speed. Christy comes home, this is a, a little ways back, or maybe I came home from work and she's like, well, listen, something, something happened I gotta tell you about. Uh, I got pulled over. I'm like, oh gosh, okay. And then immediately when Christy's like, I got pulled over, I'm just thinking, okay, don't react. Just just be chill, man. It's probably all over your face though. Just be chill. It's like that internal conflict. Like what what why why should I react? Like what is it about me that makes me want to have like a a lecturous or type of response, I guess is what it is. It's like, well you should have shoulda 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 shoulda. And I'm like, I just gotta be cool, be supportive. And it's not a big, no matter what happened, it's not a big deal. Obviously she's fine. She's like, it's actually uh, kind of embarrassing. And I'm like, oh, okay. Now I'm intrigued. Now I might have an ear biscuit story. I'm getting a little happier. <laughs> That's what life is about. <laughs> uh, and she's, uh, she said, you know I dropped, um, Lincoln and his friends off at the mall, or actually another so another parent dropped him off at the mall, so it was one of our jobs to go pick him up. She was like, so you know, I went I went to pick him up and I'm driving there and I'm getting to the mall and I get pulled over, got the blue lights behind me and the cop comes up to the window. I roll the window down, um, Jade sticks her head out and, cause she was sitting in my lap and the officer says, Ma'am, um, I pulled you over because your dog's in your lap. Don't, don't, don't. Ooh, how embarrassing. Now show of hands in our small group that's in here, how many of you knew that it was illegal to have a dog in your lap while you're driving? That it was a pull-overable offense. A ticketable offense. Okay, I, I didn't know. Three I mean, people it, didn't know. If you had told me that it was a law, I'd be like, okay, I guess that makes sense. But I would have just thought it was something that wasn't on the books. Yeah, that, you know and, what I mean. And so Christy, that was her response. But it is it's on like, the books. I, I didn't know. He was like, yeah, this is, uh, you know, this is not safe for you. And you know what? It's also not safe for your dog. I guess if like if you're in some sort of an accident, airbag, you're ping pong in that dog. Ooh, yeah. It's actually, not, yes. You no, know, it's not because because that because. By that rationale, you would need to put your dog in a seat belt all the time, which I don't think is the law. Mm, but I think it's it's probably safest obviously, for the dog. Obviously the safest. But if your dog is in your lap, that airbag, which can do damage to, and even kill a small child, is gonna do worse to a, I mean, Jade is just gonna boom. Which is why um, sometimes there'll be a sign that comes on in most modern cars that says, passenger airbag, off, turn it off because the weight isn't enough in right. the seat. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so if a kid's there, right, um, or if nobody's there, you don't need to waste an airbag. Maybe that's also what they're thinking. I got to keep my keep my airbag for later. Yeah, it's probably not. That's just how I think. Because you can't repack an airbag like a parachute. I've tried. Chris was like, I didn't know, and then he goes back with her license, and you know, there's a sweated out period, and at this point, uh, I was like. And was, were Lincoln and his friends in the car? Please tell me they were in the car. She was like, no, I hadn't picked them up. I was actually just around the corner from them being able to see this whole thing take place, which would have been glorious for Lincoln's friends to have to witness his mom get a ticket because there was a dog in her You know, lap. but I believe that the reason that he believed her, that she didn't, it, that he believed that she didn't know. That's because it was the truth. Well, no, because the dog was in her lap <laughs> when he rolled the window, when she <laughs> right. rolled the window down. Because right. otherwise she would have been like, get, get into the passenger seat. Right. So she right. played it perfectly and she wasn't playing, she was just being honest. Ma'am, do you know why I pulled you over? I don't know, but you should ask the dog. She's driving. <laughs> She's in charge here. Right. Because that's the thing. Um, he can't, well, he came back um, and he said, ma'am, I'm not gonna, you know, I believe you. Uh, I'm not gonna give you a ticket. So he didn't give her a ticket, picked up Lincoln, spared him the embarrassment. Um, of course, I'm not right now. I hope all of his friends are listening. What up, fam? Lincoln's dad in the house talking at you. You know, I know how to connect with the kids. Yeah, you just demonstrated that. Um, Come over to my house, you can swim in my pool. 
You can hang out. You can play music as loud as you want. It can have profanity in it because Lincoln's dad likes the hip hop. He's lit. <laughs> can you imagine being my son? Imagine it a second, Rhett. Um. Oh, you're getting a call from Spam Risk. Yeah, Spam. Yeah, spam Risk that? is calling you too. I'm getting a Spam Risk phone call. What if your name was Spam Risk? That would really suck. <laughs> I've noticed that my my Mr. phone is just Spam Risk. <laughs> just Please put me in your caller ID or something different. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's the thing: Jade is in control. I mean, let's let's be real. Uh, when I'm driving the car and I'm seeing other people with their poodles in their lap and hanging out the driver window. It, I see it all the time. You know, every other day I'm driving, you see some poodle hanging out a driver window. What, and and I'm ju- I've always judged them, like, that's stupid. You're putting me in danger, you're putting yourself in danger. Actually, you're putting your dog in danger. Didn't even know that. Um, but then you know what? I've been bringing Jade, I've been driving around. She she loves me so much. I just can't deny her being in my lap. She she climbs on over and she nestles down. But then, after a while of that, she started perking up, and like perching up on my left thigh and looking out the window. And I became that guy. And she started doing it with Christy. And it's partially my fault. Hold on. So she's been she's been driving in your riding in your lap while you drive. She's been steering practically. Yeah, she's like perched up on my left thigh, which like my knee's kind of up beside the steering wheel. She's like right beside the steering wheel. And I'm like, I became that guy. Yeah, you did. So when Chrissy told me that, I'm like, you know what? I know it's embarrassing, but I'm glad it happened, especially with you not getting a ticket because this is a freaking wake up call, girl, for both of us. Because I haven't felt right about it. I've just felt like, I'm, I, I shouldn't let my dog control me and rationalize, oh, she's so scared over there in the but passenger you, seat. But you know the reason that you're, the system has completely changed in the way that you're about to tell everyone is because your wife told the story while the McLaughlins were with you. Yeah, we were on a double date. And the McLaughlins buy things. The Neals don't buy things. Yeah, so Christy tells this story right. and we're in the back seat and all of a sudden, like Jesse's on our phone, I'm like, well, that's a, I mean, that's a little rude. I mean, like we're kind of talking to you guys. Why are you, why are you on your phone in the middle of the conversation? I didn't say that. I was just like, before I could say anything, and I'm sorry for not giving her the benefit of the doubt. She was like, um, well, I'm on Amazon right now. I'm buying one because Barbara runs all around the car. We're buying a harness for the dog while they're in the. Yeah, I didn't say what one was. In, in a seat harness for the dog. But yes, Barbara has been in my lap while I'm driving. But Barbara has so got to be everywhere at all times that. She goes around the car, and then she usually ends up laying in the passenger seat with me. But uh, not with you. By while while I'm driving, she's in the passenger seat. But it's still not safe because she could fly all over the car in the event of a wreck or whatever. So Jesse bought a booster, and so all the way home, I'm talking. I'm asking her. I was like, "Read me some reviews." You know, I don't like to look on my phone in the car, and like helping her find the best one. And then we found it. And then she's like, do you want me to get you one? And I'm like, uh, no, I, I saw another one that like is higher up that instead of being a booster seat, it hangs from the top and since Jade's smaller, this would allow her to look out. And I've, I did run across that ad, so I might do that. And then she's like, oh, I found it. I was like, well, send me the link. So then that later that night, I bought one and it came in the mail and this it morning. like what, 30 bucks or something? They're not, they're not pricey. Um, that's right, and uh, so this morning was the first morning we had it. I took a picture to send to Christy. Look at her, look at her perched up there in a the box. It, this this little carrier box looks like something, like a basket you'd have on the front of a car, I mean a, a bike, if if you needed to transport ET somewhere. Now can she just, is she secured to this? She is not secured She can yet, just hop out. There's a. Um, well, if you look at this picture, you can see that pink thing down there's her harness, she's not wearing it. But ultimately, th- she's gonna wear her harness and then it attaches inside of this box. But you see how she's looking out? She loves it. She loves to look out. But Did I'm she trying, whine I'm, at you? No. She didn't whine like she, she wanted to be in your lap. Um, she, her ears went down a little bit at first, but then once she realized she could see everything she wanted to see, she was pretty happy, which made me happy. The plan is to put the harness on her and, and then, uh, 
attach her to it eventually, but I wanted to do it one step at a time to get her more comfortable with it. Look at her, she's like, I might just give her her own fake steering wheel so she feels like she's actually driving. That might be excessive. Uh, yeah, well, well Jesse got one for Barbara, so as soon as Barbara takes a ride in style, I'll, uh, I'll take a pick. Well, I know something you don't know. Jesse's already given us that booster seat because she tested it out with Barbara and um, it was too small. So now the other one Jesse bought is now in Christie's, in Christie's car, car. Okay. Okay. and y'all ain't got nothing. Well, so you back to the drawing board. I guess we gotta start over. Um, but yeah, d d don't listen, don't rationalize having the dog in your lap when you're driving. Listen, I understand how difficult it is, but let's not be stupid, okay? I've been stupid in my, well I'm not gonna say my wife's been stupid. Let's just say that would be you didn't that know. would be stupid. You, you, it was you, it, you you did things in ignorance. It's okay. It happens. Now you know, and now now you're adjusting. Okay, um, we're going to answer uh, some of your questions. We we like carrying on the conversation, keeping the conversation going uh, with the mythical beast, and so we're going to do that again. Ear biscuits is supported by the farmer's dog. Dogs will eat basically anything you put in front of them, and if you're Barbara, you will like <laughs> seek it out off of tables, counters. That that woman is crazy. <laughs> uh, that woman being my dog. Uh, so it's important to be putting the right kind of food in their bowls. Right, and when you care about your dogs as much as we care about ours, you know, a thoughtful approach to what goes in those bowls makes sense. Yes, the farmer's dog is real, fresh, healthy food with whole meat and veggies gently cooked in human grade kitchens to preserve their nutritional value. Just tell them about your dog and they'll deliver personalized vet-developed recipes for as little as $2 a day. The meals arrive pre-portioned and in ready-to-serve packs delivered on your schedule. Millions of meals have been ordered across the country. We've been partnering with the Farmer's Dog for a few years now and they really are as good as they say. It really has never been easier to invest in your dog's health with fresh food. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash ear. I know we're gonna unearth this, uh, the thing that you got from our first grade year with, with a subsequent question, but let's, let's start somewhere else here. This first question comes from Rayan. Should I pursue my dream and take a program I like in college knowing that in the future it might not exist anymore oh. as a job or go to a more guaranteed option that I dislike hoping that I'll take it later? Did she say? That I'll, that I'll like it later. College starts in a month and I don't know what to do. Okay, it's a little late because I think college has started now. We were kind of sitting on this question. Yeah, so. But, um, <laughs> whoops. I don't know what decision you did make. She, she, maybe she's undeclared. I mean, if you're just starting. Yeah, yeah, yeah you definitely can still change Even if you've been in college point. a while. And maybe it'll be applicable for other people because the reason we wanted to answer this question is because we're actually exploring this with our kids, I mean, you've got a junior in high school, even mm -hmm. closer to the point of decision. I've got yeah. a sophomore in high school. And so I think one of the things that I've done as a parent is I try to think back to what my life was like and the things that were going through my mind and what I was thinking about life, short term, long term, when I was their age. And mm -hmm. then I'm like, okay, well, what would I have liked to have heard from my parents at this stage? Uh, and again, it was a very different time. Again, the generations are, are, are very different and I think that the amount of sort of, and, and this may ultimately be to our kids' detriment, but a lot of times the amount of input and level of discussion that we have about all kinds of life decisions I think tend to be more involved and detailed than it was with our parents. I think as a cultural thing, it's also an internet age thing. There's so much information out there that I think so much more gets to us as parents, that impacts our children, and vice versa. I, I you know, we, there's a culture of more conversation that we have with our kids than I than I think our parents had with us in that generation. Yeah, because the um, the nature of the decision that we made, and I think it was very similar. It was very very simply, we both took physics our senior year with Mr. Bryant and we, yeah. I didn't even do that well in that class. I mean it was an AP class so whatever, it ended up being an A, whatever it was, but I think it was probably like a C is what 
It technically was, but because it was like weighted by two points, it ended up being an A. But I didn't really understand it. I had to go to Michael Juby's house to, for him to help me do homework. Uh-huh, yeah. And, but because I liked Mr. Bryant and I liked the concepts that we were talking about and the experiments that he would do in class, I was like, I should be an engineer. And I was good at math. It's, but it was that simple. I, my but recollection was, is that our guidance counselor put that all together for both of us. Oh, you're good in math. You're good in science. You should be. You should be an engineer. And I'm like, my dad has always been a fan of the Wolf Pack. That's where you go to get an engineering degree at NC right. State. But it wasn't this like, have you been cultivating or even exploring passions. what what it, yeah what your passions are and what it is that you're good at and what kind of gets your motor running. That wasn't at all what the process was. Because no. if we had have explored what got the motor running, we would have known that, well, something creative. Well, and we, but we were doing that. I mean, we were talking about, you know, we were writing screenplays, we were, we were talking about being filmmakers, and we've, we've oversimplified. I, your, your dad kind of exposed, and when we went back to Bowie's Creek for the, yeah. for the Bleak Creek documentary series that we did, um, well, it was actually so we your did dad a, kind of we did an interview at NC State. The, 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 what really happened was we did an inter interview at NC State that they put into the NC State Engineering Magazine, uh, and we told a greatly simplified story uh, that we've told many times, which is we wanted to be filmmakers, we wanted to major in film. When I told my dad that, he said, "Well, I'm not paying for that," and so I ended up being going to engineering school. Now, when I talked to my and I truly believe that that was the memory. That was how I remembered it. Now, when my, I talked to my dad after that article came out, even though we've told the story many, many times, he said, now, you know, I was kind of misrepresented in, <laughs> in that article. That, is, that isn't what happened. And we didn't then explore exactly what happened. Uh, and maybe it was the 16 or 17 year old Rhett interpreting something, concluding something on behalf of my father that he didn't actually say, which is, I'm not too excited about that particular aspiration. Why don't you do something that makes more sense? And it could have been something that just emanated from him without him actually vocalizing that. Uh, and now that I'm a father, I very regularly recognize that I do the same thing. There's all kinds of messages that I'm giving to my sons that I'm not <laughs> saying directly. But suffice it to say, the message that I sort of understood was that you need to do something that makes some kind of sense. And that scared us away from the very open-ended, insecure, not guaranteed future that was filmmaking. Mm -hmm. Now, thankfully, we've made our way back into using a very circuitous, what is it, circuitous path? Circuitous. Circuitous path to being in a creative industry and no longer doing engineering. But if we could go back and talk to those high school juniors, high school seniors who are trying to figure out what they're gonna do, what would we say in terms of how you make a decision? In Rand's question, it wasn't made, it, it, it wasn't specified what the passion was and then what the sensible option was. Um, There's a false dichotomy in her question. I will say though, because I, it's should I do something that won't exist? That in the won't future. exist anymore. It's like or, you want to be a bus driver, or should I do something that because I, they're going to be autonomous? Or should I future. do something that's guaranteed that I dislike? And I'm not really saying that that's the false dichotomy. I'm saying the false dichotomy is that you're choosing between something that you like and something that you dislike. It, I don't think it's that simple. Uh, but yeah, you're also right that you don't you can't predict what's going to what's gonna be around and um, I mean, you know, want what jobs are gonna be replaced by You wanna be able to support yourself, you know. Well, there's a, you know, the nursing field is all, it's, it's funny, I always hear, well, the nursing field, you know, there's always gonna, there's lots of opportunity there. It's like, but you better, you better be into helping people and getting, getting your hands dirty to help people if you wanna go into nursing. I mean, it, you gotta, you have to find a way for, for ultimate fulfillment, to, to to believe that your passions can be engaged in what you're doing. That's the challenge is, well I think the first challenge is really understanding your passions, but then figuring 
out the way to then find the intersection between that and there being sensible components to your action plan. It's like, okay, I, I can support myself someday at in something related to this field. But I mean like. Well, I think you're actually looking for, I think you're looking for, there's three all right, what's the third thing? circles so that come the, together, there's right? There's the passion. And I think I read a book at one point that outlined this. But, I read this book too. But you've got your passion and then you've got the sort of the practical, like what opportunities do exist in the real world. And then you've, you've got your actual ability, right? Because there are some yeah. people who are very passionate about something. I wanna be Bob Ross, but you can't grow an afro. Exactly. You know, what hang I was it up. So you might be very passionate about something, but you're actually not good enough at it. You're not, prof so let's just go with another P. You've got passion, you've got practical, and you've got proficiency. I'm just making this up, and that's not what the book said at all, and I'm probably wrong. But I think you've gotta have some proficiency of this. You, you've gotta have some reason to believe that, oh, I actually, there's a reason that I believe that I would be good at this, and not better than everyone else, but just, you don't wanna go into something that you're just gonna naturally be bad at. Like I wouldn't, there's a number of things that I wouldn't go into. Like I, I wouldn't go into like uh, hospice counseling as an example, right? Because when people are going through really hard stuff, I'm not the guy you want in the room. You know, I'm, I'm hopefully getting better at that as I get older, but I don't have a natural disposition for knowing what to say when someone's having a hard time. And so, but there's a lot of money in it, so you might want to think about. It. You know, that's the sad thing. There's probably not a lot of money in it. So I think you got to think about your proficiency, your passion, and then what, what are the practical opportunities that, that you have. And then you know what you got to do. You got to develop a plan. plan. Keep the peace going. You know, I I really this is one of those instances where I I really find myself wishing that you, that I wouldn't have been blazing the trail between the two of us, that you, you know, I got married a year before you, which meant I had a kid a year before you. Like, that's how the plan works, right? Lily's a year older than Locke. I, I really wish that, you know, that you guys could be the guinea pig. I mean, there's lots of things that like, you get really engaged and you're like, thinking about the way future and saying, I gotta figure this crap out. And then I'm like, yeah, man, you, I'm watching closely. You like talking about when I like get a TV and then you get the same TV? Yep, yep. It works differently with children, that I believe. That silver though. television that we both had for years. Right, because we, we are. Both, we had Circuit City. I was like, yeah. Circuit man, City, yeah. If you're gonna do all that research, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna swoop in and get one too. I binged every episode of Alias on DVD on that television. It was like a, it was a, it was old school tube television, and then you got rid of it, which takes us to the other question later. But let's stay on topic for now. So you are in, I, you're I just, in the midst of answering this question. Yeah, because like, Lily's like she's like Lily, taking the SAT. She's taking the like SAT this week or something, right? She, she's taking she's taking the um, versions of the SAT and the ACT for practice. The last two weekends in a row, she spent three hours taking both tests. You know, I felt for it. It's like, hey, you're you know what your Saturday is going to be. Three hours of taking the SAT and then the next week the ACT and then figuring out, I mean, we're fortunate enough to have the means to have somebody that helps us navigate how you go about this and it's not just like the counselor at the school, it's the people who will help you take the practice test and all that stuff. Yeah. And there's so, there's so much, there's so much rigmarole to go through. Yeah, we, and, and we don't. And there's so much pressure. This, the, the, oh my gosh, the, the it's stressing me the out. The way to the think system about it. works right now, and how things are rewarded, and the competitiveness, and how hard it is. Let's just not. Let's just set that aside because that's like that could be a whole podcast in and of itself. Is the way the system works and how you have to navigate the system. I, but I, let, let's. If you're trying, what am I telling Lily? Like, I yeah. think is my question. Yeah. is is the question right? Um, and what are you telling Locke? Lily's at a point where she's still trying to figure out what you know. What is she most passionate about? And it's like I I don't expect her to have a a simple answer. You know, it's like honestly, I mean, I don't. I guess I haven't told her this specifically, but I think my underlying thing, and I may have said this before, is that it just seems like it's it's a crapshoot. You know, it's like you do your best, especially if you try to figure out. You know, apply as much of what we've talked about with the P's 
And then you're just rolling the dice, man. You're seeing what happens and then you roll with it. Roll with the di- roll the dice and then roll with the punches. Um, she's like, I'm really into biology. I think, I think I'd wanna be, uh, go into the medical field and be a surgeon. You know, she had the spinal fusion surgery, had a huge impact on her life. That was a big life experience that then I, I think is at least part of that and then enjoying those classes. So we're like, uh, yeah, there's, and then we figure out what would be the path and what are the things that she could do now in order to position herself to, to get there. Even things like, okay, you can get involved in this club at school which then leads to an invitation to this thing over the summer that is by invitation only that then when colleges who, you know, if, you're, if you wanna do the pre-med thing ultimately. So, and again, I, I, you get back to those details of the planning but then she comes home the next day and she's like, um, I wanna, I'm really good at pottery. Mm-hmm. You know like. That's a P, that's good, that's it, good. Yeah, it Pre-med is Pre-med and pottery are both P's. <laughs> right, and that's so really. as long as it's a P. Our only requirement. She's good. And I find, you know, she's engaging her passion for piano. She, she doesn't talk about piano as much but it is a P. But she comes home and she's talking about making pottery and like how much she enjoys it. And you may say, well that's a good pastime. Hmm. Uh, you see what I'm doing right. here? But is it a passion? And is it a career? And how practical is it? <laughs> um, is it something you should pursue? It's, imp- it's impossible to figure out by the time she's <laughs> gotta go to college and patriculate. <laughs> I don't think. To get all this you're stuff You're violating straight. the rules, I mean it's man. like do the best you can and be willing to change at, at any moment. <laughs> Or okay. at, not at any moment, but maybe at certain intervals, like six months down intervals, the road or man. something like Take that. Those. Now, okay. But I don't know, I, I just try to remove the pressure. Let me There's hit, so much, pr- I, my thing in summary is, I'm just trying to help Lily understand herself, have as many opportunities as she can, and then develop a plan, but then remove pressure. I yeah. think is my main role yeah. at this point, to say, you know what, look at me. I Look at how I got to where I'm at. It it's I I can't make a prescription based on that <laughs> you know well yes so I think that even more so for them that will be the case right you know as time has passed people have changed their careers or more likely to change their careers even more times over the span of their working life than our parents were, we're, and then our kids are probably gonna be even more likely to change careers. So the fact that we took this crazy path to get where we're at uh, does really inform the way that we think about this in a lot of ways. Oh yeah. I also think that me and you as, you know, pioneering as people might think that we have been, we are, and we've we've, we've t- discussed this before, but we're actually pretty reactive and we're very practical and reactive and we find ourselves in situations and we're like, oh, there's an opportunity. There's there's some white space there. Let's, and, and we can we can win at that game. Let's go play that game. And that's kind of what we've done and it's kind of indicates why we've done a bunch of different things in the, the path that we've taken. Uh, and I do agree that, you know, they're gonna go to college and even if they end up majoring in something that is the career path that they ultimately choose, they're not gonna really use any of the things that they learn, very little of it at least. You know, Even going to school for engineering and then doing it. And even with you, you were doing the, uh, the co-op program where you were working and then going back and learning. You still learned your job on the job. You learned how to learn, you grew up a little bit in college, but you didn't learn, like you're not learning the skills, the. What I'm getting at is that co- the college education thing is really just a step in the process and it isn't, again, like you said, it's you can't put so much pressure on yourself. But I think the real thing that we're trying to do is just position them for a the most opportunity that they can have, right? And just be like, don't, commit to something because of one thing that somebody says to you, like really just learn to understand what it is that you enjoy and what you're good at and just know that there's probably like a whole category of jobs that might work Mm -hmm. for you. And that's the thing that I've been talking with Locke about. I'm like, 
So not what do you think you're gonna do, but what are you passionate about? Like, Who do you think you are? Is it working with, with <laughs> and people? I ask it that way. Is it working with people? Is it working with things? Is it working with animals? Is it thinking about ideas? Is it executing things? Is it a combination of those things? Working I, with people dressed as animals. Yes, and I think that if you can just ask yourself those questions, it'll naturally sort of push you in a direction where there's a sort of a field of jobs. And you know, I think sometimes it's like, okay, some people are just like, I'm super into programming. Like it's my passion, it's what I wanna do. Now obviously there's ample opportunity for that skill. You, you can get a job doing that, so that question is answered. And also, you kinda know the different kinds of jobs that are gonna require that skill and if that's the kind of thing that you're into, you kinda have a general path. And some things are a little bit less obvious, like pottery is a little less obvious, right? Now, you, like, what are the different opportunities you can do with pottery? Well, you can be a person who makes pottery. You could be a person who teaches people to make pottery. Right, and that's kind of it. That doesn't mean it's a bad idea, but it, you, Maybe there's other things, you, but we don't know them. You just, yeah, and you kinda have to know, like, okay, well, or I'm gonna go into this, this, basically what I'm really saying is that I like to do things with my hands. I like to do physical things. I don't, I'm not, I don't wanna be sitting at a computer typing. I don't wanna be doing a bunch of math and processing a bunch of information, but I wanna be bringing something to life with my hands. I wanna be taking a raw material and doing something creative and artistic. Okay, you're kinda pushing yourself in a certain direction. And then there'll be all kinds of fields, some practical, more practical than others, that you can kind of then look at. And I, that, that's all I'm trying to do with Locke is just, don't get too worried about how, I mean, I want you to do well, but I don't want you to be totally freaking out and trying to get into some Ivy League situation and let's just take it easy, enjoy life, do your best, but learn who you are and then see how you can direct that in a general direction and then it'll start getting pared down as the opportunities line up, you know? And as you come to know your passions, be very attentive to that. Don't check that at the door when you're then going in to make these practical decisions. Yeah. Um, it makes it more difficult, but the the alternative is even an even more difficult life of, of frustration. Um, Rayan, good luck with that. <laughs> Veda asks, what color should I dye my hair next? Done blue and purple so far. And I, well, I see in her like profile image her hair looks like red, but I think that may be purple. Green. That must be the purple. Green, another primary color you haven't done yet, green. Green and white ombre. It's kinda like uh, um, Slimer vomit. That unfolds over time. Let's go with another one. Okay, let's get to this one. Molly asks, I'm working, this is at Livic underscore 0620. I can see that she came to an event and got a picture with us because her profile picture has us in it. That's right. I'm working on an epic purge of old stuff. Notes slash books from college and grad school, childhood mementos, etc. Et cetera. How do I decide what to keep and what to let go when I'm on the items that all seem sentimentally important but intellectually frivolous? Hashtag ear biscuits. Okay, first of all, girl, you're speaking my language and you talk about an epic purge. I, you know, I, I woke up this morning uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I try to take just an hour to sit, drink my coffee, try to meditate a little bit. Boy, I'll talk about that later. I'm just, it's not easy. Um, and then last 15 minutes, Christy comes down and like, you know what, we, we're having some moments where we have our coffee together and it's nice. Oh, we're like having an old a, couple. A, a old couple, couple of moments together. Hmm. And I was like, so what's your, what does your day look like? And um, amongst other things she told me, she was like, um, I need to give Katie a call. And I was like, when you do, um, um, you need to take that mirror to her. And she's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm, I'm glad somebody else is asking that question. I'm telling, she's like, I, she wasn't mean about it. She's like, I, 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 I think something's wrong with you. I was talking about this is big honking box in our garage. Let's face it, my garage. Mm. That's how I look at it. That's I look clear. at the garage as my domain. Yes, also the laundry room. But hey, it's not a woman's job. It's my domain. 
we both do laundry in there. But um, for some reason, I consider it like mine and my goal. And I've, I'm sure I've spoken about it many times is to keep it clean. And like, I, I'll take a picture and then I'll spend three hours purging stuff out of the garage and then take another picture just to have a before and after to make. And I'll flip you back. You do before and afters? And I'll clean? flip back and forth between the two of them just to make myself feel better. And I'll show it to people if they come over. Well, I'm glad you've never shown that to me. Well, I'll, I'll show it to the people in the video farm. Um, and I just flip back and forth and it makes me feel good. And I got this big box that has this mirror that they sent us two and didn't want to return one of them because we only ordered one. For some reason they said keep it, okay? So, I mean, it's like five foot by four foot box, five inches thick. That's a bit, that's a lot of real estate in my garage. Right, right. And Katie's, you know, Chrissy told me two months ago, Katie wants this mirror, don't get rid of it. Yeah, I get this. So then this morning, so I think I'm calling Katie and I'm like, uh, you should take that mirror to her. She's like, I didn't even say we were getting together. I just said I was gonna call her. I was like, well tell her to, tell her to come pick it up. <laughs> it's like it won't fit in her car. And I'm like, well, um, I'll take it out of the box and then she can just have the mirror because I bet the mirror alone will fit in the car. It's a big box, it's too much padding. She's not shipping it, she's gonna tote it. Right. And at that point she said again, she was like, What's what? Are you are you okay? I mean, <laughs> what, that's not really what this conversation was about, right? Um, so I actually feel like I, I'm I purge to a dysfunctional level, yet I'm also an archivist of things that matter to me, and I feel like so I feel like I don't feel like I'm healthy, but I feel like maybe I can help. Well, you know, there's the that's whole where I'm coming from. the minimalism movement, and uh, what what's the what's the what's her name? Marie Kondo. Marie Kondo. Marie Kondo. Right. So every little shop you go into in Los Angeles, there's a book by this woman. She had a Netflix thing that I did not watch. Have yeah. you watched it? No. I, I I understand and I appreciate the approach. And of course, all I know about it is that you're supposed to hold something up and then ask if it gives you joy. And if it doesn't, you get rid of it, but you say thank you to it before you give it away. Okay. I don't need to read the books. I think I got the main message, right? Okay. Now I, I You sound uh, a little condescending in your um, tone, but. Well, because my personal opinion on minimalism is that I actually, I kinda like a lot of, like you go into the, one of those houses and like somebody has like put a bunch of stuff on the wall mm -hmm. and there's like stuff everywhere. Now not disorganized, not hoarder mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm not a hoarder and I don't like I actually don't have real hoarding tendencies and I get anxiety when I see things pile up even though my wife might say, well, you haven't demonstrated that at home. You like art decor hoarder. I wouldn't say I'm a, I am like TGI Fridays and like what they've done in there <laughs> because that's just a corporate thing. But you go into somebody's house and they it's like just- like straw, straw back chairs hanging from the wall. There's there's just something comforting about like, man, they just got all this stuff and it, they did it for a reason. Even this right here, like we've got all these little things. Now this is Wall of just something that Cassie put together and then painted gray. I've never really even studied it. There's texture. But it just, yeah, it adds something. Whereas when I think about like a super modern minimalist house that doesn't have any place to sit and there's nothing on the wall, I. I'm just like, it feels cold and sterile, and so I feel like minimalism minimalism can, at least aesthetically, can lead to that place. But I do understand the whole idea about like, if you got something in your life that's kind of just creating unnecessary clutter and time, and like, it's a waste of time and it's a waste of your energy and your focus, then get rid of it. And, I, and I do feel good about the process of getting rid of stuff. But what is the connection between that? Because that's you're, you're describing an aesthetic to I think what, um, what the question? What's behind the question is more of like, kind of a more of a storage, more in the garage than the than the living room mantelpiece type sitch. You, you, by the way, uh, th this is I, you and Jesse must be on the same page because I would just, I, I think that does describe how your house is decorated. I know she does a lot of work on that, and it's amazing. Like we, there's so much stuff, but it's it it's all purposeful. Like that, whole, you got a whole wall. Yeah, you got a freaking wall that's. It's a shelf. It's thirty foot tall. There's nothing but shelves. We designed it together. Stuff on it. We can. We designed that entire shelf together. But I think we're talking more in a storage capacity here. Yeah, so like how, what, how does what you're, you're saying apply stuff, to that? If you're getting rid of stuff, how do you know what to hold on to? This feels like a very organic process to me. Like mm -hmm. when I am getting rid of something, it's like I don't. Okay, for instance, if I'm getting rid of clothes, 
Well, sometimes you've had a shirt for so long that it feels like it's passed into some sort of memento quality. Oh, I got a couple of those. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And then I'm like. Math Olympiad shirt. It's like, and I'm not even talking about like, a ch obviously stuff that you have from childhood. You know, and like, okay, I found a wax paper dogs T-shirt that Trent had designed the the front of. Oh you yeah, know? and I was like, oh, I'm gonna. Then I found You're a T-shirt like first year out of college. Well, I found a T-shirt that said Merle rules the world that we had spray painted. Spray painted. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, with stencil that we wore to a concert. I think I, I can't remember, but that, that, I'm uh, definitely not letting go of that. We wore that to school on Twin Day. Okay, well I've got it. And we both spray painted Merle Rules the World so we could be wearing the same exact shirt. There you go, see, I'm glad I told you because you remembered it, but I have it. So Surprised you have it. Now, you're always surprised when I have something because you think that I don't hold on to stuff. And I actually, I do, I just don't do it in a, I don't, I don't do it as much or as intensely. Do you as have you a do. place? Because my answer has to do with place. Yeah. Like I, storage place. Most of the stuff that is, most of this stuff like, T-shirts and old documents, so you can really get it small and flat. And so what I found is that I just have a place in my garage. Yeah, I actually thought about moving it and began to move all this to my attic recently. But then I was like, in the case of a wildfire coming through our neighborhood and burning up our house, you can get I, that stuff out. I quick. think. Well, I think that the garage oh. would actually survive because it's below ground, and I think that this stuff would just the house, the top of the house, would burn, and all this memento stuff would. So I don't have to take it all out. That's my theory, at least. So I have it all there, and it collapses down. And as long as it's not a big bulky thing, I get. I will get rid of something that's bulky. But if it's something that can be kind of folded up and put into a box, and then I can put a label on it and set it somewhere in my garage, and I have to worry about it. Yeah. That's exactly. I don't. Me. I don't go through this process of like. Does this bring me joy? It's like no. I might want this later. Let's. And it, I can make it. I can get it out of the way. Let's keep it. I mean, there's there's mementos, but then the, the, there's there's things like the thing that your mom found that we need to look at here in a second. Um, I that that are irreplaceable. I mean, especially if it's like creations or something that's, and if it if it's. If it's irreplaceable and it, and it takes you back, and also second criteria, it can be stored, especially in in like a reasonable amount of space. Like I got a filing cabinet and I got a couple of boxes. I got an area where like I'm willing to devote this much storage space to keeping stuff, so that when I go through it, it's a journey back in time. Or if I'm going to write a book, like when we wrote the book of mythicality. If you want to write a book about yourself one day or share stuff with your kids or grandkids. All that stuff you should keep and you should be real controlled on how you store it and just keep it within certain bounds, like physical bounds. But stuff that's like, if you start getting into things like, well, so-and-so gave me this, or I'm, well, first of all, the easy stuff, like I might have a use for this one day. I think if it's been X number of months, if it's been a year and you haven't used it, I say get rid of it. But if it's something that's like, so-and-so gave me this vase, it's not, it's breakable, it's not easily storable, but it does have some sentimental value. They've passed away or whatever. I think you keep it, if you can incorporate it into your life. I, I, if it's gonna be in storage, then I don't think. I agree. I, I, I think you gotta, you either find a way to bring it into your life yeah, if the or you get rid of it. If, and the you, purpose, if it's a piece of furniture or something like that and the purpose of it is to, and to utilize it as a piece of furniture or a piece of decor. If you're not going to utilize it for that purpose, unless you just have tons of storage room, yeah, I, I say get rid of that. Um, and and that, that's a point of contention with my wife because we do have some things that we've received from people. There's like a lamp. Never keep anything out of guilt. There's a lamp that her parents gave us that's a really nice lamp that uh, they, they gave it to us a long time ago and it's very ornate and it doesn't go with anything that we have. Yeah. She's just like, we have to hold on to that. And I'm like, but it's, I don't, it's how do I just, it just two parts and I just, I would get rid of that. Yeah, you gotta get I rid of it. I would Craigslist that. get rid of it. Now, g give me the story of this thing. Because, so, well, this is a good example of something that should have been kept. Your mom kept it well, my and mom, I'm so glad she did. My mom gave me a bunch of stuff, uh, you know, years ago that was, we had she had kept in my closet in my in the in the house where I grew up in my personal closet and then she gave it all to me and it was pictures and it was school work and it was a lot and some of that stuff a good amount of that made it into the book of mythicality as well 
But then there was an additional folder that I had somehow separated from everything else and it was in a closet that then Jesse recently cleaned out and then she found a folder that has multiple things in it but I'm just only gonna focus on the one, we can get into the other later. But she found uh, from first grade in Miss Locklear's class, which of course is the class that we met in, a Thanksgiving recipe book and I'm gonna go ahead and warn you that we all had to design our own cover for this and again, just keep in mind, I was six years old and it was 1984, so do with that what you will. Uh, it was a Thanksgiving book, and so as you can see, I I put a Thanksgiving theme picture on the front of it. And so on the left you've got uh, a pilgrim, and on the right you've got a Native American with his arms outstretched. Yep. Um, he's much bigger, His he's got a egg for a head. I don't have any explanation as to any of the choices that I made and I'm not going to defend them. Why is that, the, the, the posture, clearly unintentional posture of the pilgrim and the, and this, like the, the snicker I was just on his mouth, like yeah. he's snickering. Yeah, I mean, don't read anything into it. I know you wanna read things into it, but don't because there's nothing to be read into it. But what there is to be read inside of this book, Link, is that every single member of Miss Locklear's class had to submit a recipe that they would enjoy for Thanksgiving. And then she Xeroxed them and put them in everybody's book. So for instance, you know, it's, you know, you got David Rogers, who incidentally made it into the Book of Mythicality as well. Uh, he put Nana's turkey dressing on there. But let's see, if you get to handwritten. You got Mari's Cameron did what oy was oyster oyster dressing for turkey. Christie's aunt makes that and I hate it. Somebody did cornbread stuffing but they didn't put their name on there. Loser. Anya, remember Anya? No. Neither do I. It's a recipe from Scotland though. Oh, Rhett McLaughlin, Rhett McLaughlin. Rhett McLaughlin. Blue cheese broccoli. This is classic, I wish you would've well, yeah, but when you first told me about this, you were like, you, you told me the premise, but you didn't tell me the recipe, and you were like, you have to guess what it was, and. Now again, this wasn't necessarily like what is, it, it, it was like what, I mean, I really liked this, of course. Blue cheese is a strong thing, and it's like, you love blue cheese now. Yeah, dude. So it's like, it was very easily guessable knowing you now, but it was, it just seemed very surprising, because it's like, at first, that age, you grade. also like blue cheese on your broccoli, and it was also, you know, I'm asking my mom, I'm like, Mom, I need a recipe for this book, and she, and I, and then she tells me, you know, and it's but like, you must have really liked it. I'm sure I chose did. that. I, one. I, oh, no, I did. I, I specifically remember her blue cheese broccoli. Oh, but yes, I don't think she makes it anymore. And they tell you how to, they you tell them how to make the prepare the broccoli, and it's then got put margarine, the blue cheese, it. margarine, very 1984, uh, and then sprinkle with what. Cracker crumbs. At the end, oh yeah, you got to get that cracker crumb bake, game bake kicking. Bake it 325 for 20 to 25 minutes. It serves six to eight, which means it serves four McLaughlin. <laughs> um, All right, so I'm in here, right? So if yours is classic Rhett, it's blue cheese. Um, the question is, is mine classic me? Well, yes it is. Is the me now the me then? Link Neal, chocolate peanut butter balls. Yes. I mean, I don't know why I'm surprised, but it, it's strangely validating that like, the things that matter most about me haven't changed. I love peanut butter. Now, I hate to do this to you, but I will say that Adam Nicholson just did peanut butter balls. That bastard. So he had actually He's a, a page before me. Yeah, well, cause yeah, I mean, it's, it's a purer recipe. And you had to add chocolate to yours, which is a little off-brand, might I add. Uh, I all, like chocolate. I love chocolate and peanut butter together, but yeah, he. The, the other thing that's a little bit off-brand. Makes is, 150 balls. Is, that's a lot of balls. What is that that I drew at the bottom? It looks like salt and pepper shakers. I feel like I'm surprised that our recipes, like they're pretty similar in their uh, presentation and like, I would have thought that mine would be really difficult to read and hard to follow and not well organized, but they're basically very similar. Like we both. Well, our moms wrote them and then we just copied them. No, no, but if you look at these other recipes, like we both made a very specific choice that no one else made. We put a line at the top 
We put the recipe name at the top and then we put a line and we put all the recipe ingredients on each side of the line and then yeah. we put the instructions below it like a cookbook. We we have very we have similar formatting instincts. No, but you put link Neil at the top and at the bottom. You wanted to make real sure that everybody knew that this was your recipe, oh, which yeah. that's on brand as well. 150 balls. Uh and then we drew it at the bottom. I don't know why. I mean, that doesn't look like broccoli at all. It looks like a bunch of people on a a boat. A sausage. It's shaped like a piece of bread. Now, so to go back to the question, from, I mean, I'm very grateful that you have this. I, this is evidence of like wh what our palates were. I mean, we make a living, someone could argue, just by eating. I mean, if we weren't able to eat, our careers may be over. Now, that's, just, that's I, I hope that's not true, but some people might could argue that. Eating food is a huge part of what we do and the success of um, where we are. Now, right. but without this artifact, I, I wouldn't have been able to definitively tell you, especially for you because of blue cheese, that there was that there was something there all along. Yeah, you might would have told me, but I, there would have been a doubt in my mind. That I liked blue cheese? Yeah, there would have been a little bit of doubt. It's like, I don't know, at that age, first grade, you like blue cheese, I don't know. It would have been yeah, a little I liked doubt. it the first time they ever let me taste it but there's no doubt because there's the artifact because your mom kept it, now you're gonna keep it in that place in your garage and that's important. So to, Molly, to answer your question, I think that these things will, I don't think it's about looking at them and asking if it brings you joy or even saying thank you to it. I just think that you know in your soul when you, you know in your soul if you need to hold on to something Unless you're a hoarder and then you think you gotta hold on to everything and that's a problem you need to have addressed. But I'm just saying if you don't have that problem, if you if, if you can practically find a way to store it that's not an inconvenience to you or the people you live with, I say hold on to it because you might need it. Especially if it's got some sort of sentimental value. If it has no sentimental value and then you're, you're simply asking the utilitarian question, I might need to use this at some point, mm -hmm. follow Link's rule and if you haven't used it in a year, definitely get rid of it. And if you need a mirror, I got one for you. Like it's, I if you get it, you'll know I got the same one in my house because I had two of them. So hit me up hashtag your biscuits if you want my mirror. Uh, Actually, don't. I'm just being facetious. Do you want to? You want to hit? I've Katie's gonna get it. You want to hit this question quickly? No, I think you want to save this. Question. I want to save this question. It opens up too much. And instead, I'll just give a wreck. Okay. Um. Cause it's time to check baby, check baby, wreck two, three, four. Um, my recommendation, it, it would have been better to go with last week's but it was your turn to give the recommendation and we have rules here, you okay. know? Without rules, we descend into chaos. and We alternate who gives the recommendation. Now if I would have mentioned it, cause this is a camping related recommendation, if I would have mentioned it in my story, then you would have had the ability to steal my recommendation. But I didn't mention it because I wanted to protect it from being stolen by you. Well, so I'll just have let right you know, now. I'm not ever gonna steal your recommendation. I would never, and you know what? I, I would never do that to you either. Okay, all right. Um, my recommendation uh, on the heels of last week's uh, camping and VR conversation was and is, uh, if you're gonna go camping, buy yourself a camping hammock. Um, having gone camping a whole lot and then got fallen out of it, like I said, uh, I was like, the kids are going there excited. I really, I really want this to pay off. I want to validate their decision to go camping, and I need a little something extra this time—a little something to get them more excited. And so I bought a, a camping hammock, one of these hammocks that you string up between two trees, and it's like very lightweight and packable. Um, I'll recommend the Eno is the brand E N O. Let's see, I wrote down, it's, it's, uh, it'll hold two people, it's called the double nest. You can get one that's called the single nest, just holds one person. This one you can, holds up to 400 pounds. Did you sleep overnight in it? No, um, I took it, it out there. The kids loved it, um, they could get in it. It's kinda like a swing, it was something to, to play in. Uh, if you don't find two trees that are far enough apart, like I drove the FJ over far enough from one tree and then I, you gotta buy the straps too and I recommend buying the straps that have like multiple places that you can hook up carabiner instead of one. So for about 110 bucks you can get um, the hammock and the, the two straps with multiple carabiner locations. I hooked it up to the top of the FJ and a tree and like they were swinging from that and having a grand old time man. I was, 
I was validated. And then you know what? And um, aesthetically this isn't working, Christy doesn't love it, but out there on the pergola, I string that puppy up and I've been laying, I've been swinging in a hammock back there in my backyard on my, like I'm camping. Have you taken a nap in it? Oh yeah. It kind of bends you up a little bit. It all the blood pools in your in your in your well, in you your know, butt cheeks. I, I read a, uh, I read about these because I was going to get one for a camping trip, and for like a solo camping trip, and you're supposed to on some of the designs in order to prevent that from happening, you're supposed to sleep at an angle mm-hmm. that prevents. And I don't know if this happens with that design. Sleep at an angle so that you're not bending like that, and yeah. so that you're straight. Yeah, and this one will hold two people. That's really interesting. Um, it's like Lando and I get in it together at the house, and it's you know it's fun. You can you can read a book, take your laptop out there, and, and watch some watch some stuff. But um, yeah, if you sit kind of sideways, that does help with that. And it's I, as it's getting cooler, uh, it's really it has a real cooling effect because it's so thin. Or you put your sleeping bag in. So you would have to put your sleeping bag in it, and you will. You would still get cold. You got to watch yourself because you got nothing under you. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know about sleeping it overnight in a, in a cold environment, but uh, boy, it just breathes new life into your camping experience. And uh, so I highly recommend getting yourself a hammock. You ha- string it up at home. But if you get yourself a hammock and you don't use it for a year, get rid of it. It's stuffable. It gets down to be this small. Okay, put it with your other lovable trinkets. Yeah, well, you, you know, you put know. it in a put it in a put it up on a shelf in your garage. Well, put it with your camping gear. Maybe you use it again. You know, I, I allot a certain amount of space in the garage for my camping gear. I got some Tupperwares associated with that, and you shove it in there. Until next time, may all your Uh, hammocks be in use and all your trinkets be stored in a place that won't burn up in a fire. And your passions engaged. Hashtag Air Biscuits, let us know if you agree or disagree or if you can sprinkle some more light on what we discussed today. We would appreciate it. Well, I'm glad that you you listen. That's a relief.